You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of Girls on the Grid. My name is Priya and I'm here with my co-host Tanea. Hey guys. So Tanea, at the end of episode one, you were bragging on about how you had this super flat out, insane, incredible week coming up. How did that turn out for you? Yeah, look, uh, it, it, it didn't go completely to plan. I'll be completely honest. One, I'm not in Tasmania. I'm not in Simmons Plains. Priya, you are in Tasmania. I am in Tasmania. <laughs> I am where I've been for the last five days in isolation because some silly Billy tested positive to COVID on Tuesday. So that is where I have been. And my week has consisted of laying on the couch, playing PlayStation 4 and watching a heck of a lot of Netflix. Well, in other news, I've had a really good week. <laughs> a really busy week? A really, really busy week in Simmons Plants. A really busy, awesome, exciting, fun week. I had some serious withdrawals. Like I was, I was actually cut. I was like... How dare this? Tanea nearly had to leave the group chat. I muted our group chat. I was that depressed. It was too much. When it... when Priya left, I cried. Oh, did you really? I was very emotional. You're already gone. You didn't care that much about me. <laughs> Look, I was I was pretty keen. When I got that text that you tested positive, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> that sucks. But all right, I'll go to Tasmania for the weekend. Sure. That is not how it went at all. It was, oh, hell yes. Stuff for you, Tanea. I was very keen. But yeah, I've had a great weekend in Tasmania. Um, It's good to have the racing back and getting back into it. It's good to uh, be back filming uh, some race cars and just being back at the track. It's been really fun. And I have been watching on Stan Sport at home, uh, catching all the racing. And I actually said to you guys today, I was like, look, as incredible as it is from a viewer's perspective that it's qualifying, 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 race, 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 back to back to back, I know for a fact, having done this for a lot of years, that it would be absolutely hard work at the track to do the media for categories that race one after another. So kudos to you guys because it must be super busy. And look, as much as I would love to be there on the ground, the way I'm feeling right now, and you probably tell by my voice that I'm a bit, a bit schnuffly. You guys did an incredible job to pull it all together for the first round. Yeah, it's been a pretty insane weekend, but it's it's been really good. And, you know, it's hard sometimes in this job. You have to be in two places at once. Or seven places at once. Pretty much. And, yeah, it's definitely the back-to-back racing, as awesome as it is. It can be tricky behind the scenes. And a lot of people don't see that. Yeah, I'm really excited to be back with, with you guys back on the ground for the second round in March, which is going to be really exciting. But in today's episode, we uh, spoke to two women, not just one, but two. We were lucky enough to grab Molly Taylor on the ground in Tasmania while she's down there doing the Stan Sport coverage. She's a co-host alongside Chris Stubbs and Matt White and then the other guys in commentary. It's a really great lineup. And as as I was a fan this weekend, it was actually a really good show that they put on on Stan Sport. Very high level coverage and it was actually just a joy to watch. We caught up with, and by we, I mean Priya, caught up with Molly Taylor on the ground in Tasmania. So let's dive into that chat right now. So we're here at Simmons Plains this weekend for the first round of TCR Australia. I've got Molly Taylor here. 
who is on the broadcast team for Stan Sport this weekend, but has also had a busy few months herself coming off winning the Extreme E Championship and also competing in the Dakar Rally. Is it good to be back home and are you enjoying the racing so far? Yeah, it's fantastic to be home. I mean, I've had a, had a pretty amazing year and some incredible experiences, but, but there's no place like home and it's been most of the year living out of a suitcase. So it's, it's nice to uh, unpack the bags, even if it's only briefly, and, and be back in Australia and be back, back out here for the Speed Series. And yeah, it's always great to be at the track and uh, yeah, just being, being part, of, part of the action in a different capacity, but it's still awesome to be here. So sadly, you won't be continuing with Extreme E this year after your championship win. Uh, so what should we be expecting to see from you this year? Uh, still working on that, but uh, we're yeah, looking at the, the off-road stuff and um, the work we do with South Racing and Can-Am with the Dakar was so much fun and I'd love to be back. So definitely uh, working on that side of things and, and also you know from the rally part, it's my, uh, my first love and would like to get back out in the rally car as soon as possible. So yeah, we've got lots of exciting things in the works. Um, so it's still going to be a, you know, a great year for us and we're really looking forward to putting that all together and getting back out there. So we'd love to have more of a chat with you about everything you've achieved and the stuff you've got coming up. So would you be keen to be one of our next guests on the pod? Of course, I think it's great what you guys are putting together and can't wait to sit down and have a proper chat soon. A huge thank you to Molly for offering us some time on a super busy weekend for her. It's always great to hear what she's got going on. She did an incredible job on the coverage at round one of the Speed Series, so can't wait to hear from her over the next few rounds and cannot wait to have her on as a guest in a coming episode. Going on to our main guest for today, we're really excited to be having Leanne Tander as our second guest for the show. Leanne has a world of experience behind the wheel. She has raced in Formula 3, Formula Ford, production cars, supercars, you name it, she's done it. Leanne has also taken a bit of a different step um, in her career at the moment. She is also a children's psychologist and she also has two of her own children now coming into the game. So she's definitely got her hands full. I've also known Leanne for a really long time. Uh, I've babysat her kids over the years. Uh, we all went on holidays together. We lived near each other. We were pretty much neighbours so it's going to be really exciting to be able to actually sit down and have a good chat to her about her career today and especially everything that she's done racing-wise. I've had a little bit less to do with Leanne, but we did cross paths a little bit in my time at GRM when I worked there as a videographer and Garth raced. Uh, there was a year where Leanne was around and the kids were around and it was really good to get to know her. But this chat is a little bit, a little bit different. We kind of asked a few questions that, that got her thinking about yeah, where she's been, what she'd like to do next and where the state of the sport is for women and some of her experiences. So let's dive into that chat now. Today's guest is probably one of the most successful female racing drivers that Australia has ever seen. She's a Formula Ford champion. She's also raced supercars, production cars, Formula 3, heaps of experience. And she's also married to another icon of the sport. So we couldn't be more excited to be introducing Leanne Tander. Hello. Leanne, how have you been? How's the break been? What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been really good. I mean, we've, I've had a very long break. I think 2019 was the last time I actually drove something. Um, 
but yeah, as in the summer has actually been good for us. We've so far avoided COVID, cross fingers. Um, but I do feel like it's closing in and it's going to get us at some point. The racing season for 2022 has started. Garth's got plans. The kids are on the grid. What about you? Have you got anything sorted for this year? Will we see you in a race car again? I think so, but later in the year. So there's a race at Phillip Island called Island Magic and they have it every year and they have, it's it's basically club level motorsport, but it's a big event for that club level type stuff. So you have Formula Vs and improved production and Formula Ford and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I was talking to Garth the other day and I, and I said, oh, maybe we need to pull out my old Formula Ford and take that for a spin because I was getting a little bit too... Um, yeah, maybe a little bit too fast on the roads. Not not fast, like speeding, but, you know, taking the corners a little bit quick, just needing that little bit of adrenaline rush. So, yeah, so at this stage we're targeting that, but that's not until I think it might be November. Um, so that's a long way away. So, Leanne, just hypothetically, if you could pick any category right now to race in, no budget, no worries about that, no spawn, don't need any of that sort of stuff. If you could just race a car just for the fun of it, what category would we see you in? Yeah, Formula 3. That's absolutely by far the best car I've ever driven. Um, I guess because it's probably a pure form of a race car, if you can call it that, just with the way, with the aero and the slicks and everything. And um, probably, like, I mean, I'm assuming that I'm fit, obviously, in this scenario, with, with not only do I have money, but I'm also fit. Um, you know, maybe go and join like the W series or something because they're getting to race on some pretty cool tracks uh, in Formula 3 cars and they look like they're having a great time as well. So maybe something like that. I like this world. I, w- I want to be in this world. <laughs> Don't need no money. I'm fit. I'm just, I can just race whatever car I want. Let me be there. Let's work out how to get there. So growing up, it was your sister who was into the carts initially. So what made you want to get into it? Yeah, um, so my sister had always been pestering dad because my dad raced cars um, just for fun. But, you know, we we basically grew up at the racetrack watching him. And it was my sister who had the real passion and the drive. And she was always saying to dad, oh, can I go racing? Can I go racing? And finally, he uh, got her a go-kart when she was about 15, I think, uh, 15 or 16. And I had to go along and watch her then. And I got bored pretty quick. So I was just like, oh, can I get a go-kart too so I can go for a drive? Um, And it literally just started from there, just me actually having something to do on the weekend while I'm watching my sister instead of being bored. But I, um, yeah, I I fell in love with it pretty quick. So it became a big passion of mine. So after all that, you watched and then you got into karts. At what point did you realise this is what I want to do? I want to do this as my career. Uh, it was probably towards the end of my first year racing, I won my first race and that feeling that I got from winning, uh, even though it was just like a club day, it wasn't anything special, it wasn't a championship or any of that, but the feeling that I got from winning and the um, that wheel-to-wheel racing, I just absolutely loved it and that's when I decided actually, I'm going to do this seriously. Like This isn't just going to be a weekend hobby thing, this is what I want to do and it was yeah, that from then on, that's kind of what, what drove me. I wanted to be an Australian champion. Um, and, yeah, so that's what kept me going. So you've raced a number of different categories, Formula Ford, supercars, production cars, Formula 3, heaps. But what do you enjoy driving the most? Yeah, it would have to be the Formula 3 car. Um, 
Formula 3 car at Phillip Island or Oran Park. The, I mean, Phillip Island, just because it's so smooth and fast and flowing. So you can really use the aero uh, in the Formula 3 cars there. And Oran Park, just because it was a really fun track to, to drive on. Not Probably not so good for the racing there. It was a lot harder to pass. But, um, yeah, definitely loved just cutting laps at Oran Park in the Formula 3. It was cool. Moving away from racing a bit, uh, in recent years, you've also completed your psychology studies and you're now a children's psychologist. So is this something that you had always wanted to do? No, it's not. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought much past racing because that was be- had been my focus for my whole life. Uh, then obviously to have kids, I you know, took a step back from being, I guess, you know, seeking out a career in the sport. I knew once I stopped and had kids that it would be very hard to get back to the level I was, not from my personal point of view, but from the point of view of being um, taken seriously and considered by others for opportunities. So I knew that that would be the case. Um, so while I was at home looking after the kids, though, I was quite, I mean, bored is possibly not the right word because I was very busy with them. Like I was definitely um, flat out with two little ones. But just that, you know, going from your whole life you spend chasing something, like chasing that that championship or the career or the dream or whatever it is and then you kind of stop and you missing something and missing a part of yourself and I needed to do something for myself so I thought I'll start studying again um, and the thing that got me towards psychology was that I had really struggled with that transition from being a um, aspiring sports person I guess a um, semi-professional sports person and then basically going into retirement and becoming a mother and your life completely changes and you don't have that that motivation every day and the reason for for being fit and active and sort of striving towards something so that's what drove me towards psychology because I did find that really difficult uh, that process for me and I thought um, and I think I saw um, a documentary or an interview with uh, a swimmer who I think it might have been Susie O'Neill so I apologize if it wasn't her but um, saying that she'd also experienced the same thing when she finished swimming and she reached those heights at such a young age and um sort of felt like, well, what, what's now? What, what do we do now? And had a really difficult time transitioning from being a sports person to, I guess, a normal person. Um, so that kind of, yeah, that drove me into the psychology field. And then once I got into the study of that, uh, I realised there's just so many other aspects of psychology. And, um, yeah, I guess working with kids just really attracted me once I started learning about brain development and uh, how, how important it is in those first few years. And, and I thought that would be something that um, I might give a go and that's what I'm doing now. When you had those those few years off when you were having the kids um, and you were watching Garth racing did you find that really hard like were you itching to kind of get back in? Yeah yeah that was really hard because I felt like um, and look for him you know he obviously made a, a proper professional career out of motor racing so you know that was our source of income and everything so that's you know, it was super important, of course, that he kept doing that. But on the other hand, there's that part of you, the racer, that is a little bit um, kind of jealous going, oh, you know, he gets to keep racing and I'm carrying this huge watermelon on my stomach and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So there was there was a a bit of that. Um, But, you know, at the same time, it was really great to be able to actually then bring the kids into that environment and they could start coming to the track and seeing what their dad does and um, you'd know about that Priya just sort of the the cool memories you 
probably have about going and watching your dad. You know, I'm hoping that our kids have got the same um, from watching Garth. It's a little bit surreal for you to see both your kids now in carts, now kind of. It was probably realistically inevitable that they both (laughs) saw mum and dad doing it and they were like, that's what I want to do. But now that you see Garth and he's out at the carts and and you and them, you and him out at the carts with the kids, like it must be, it must be a little bit of a pinch yourself moment to see that they want to do what you guys have found so much love in. Yeah, and and it's really good to see that they have as much fun from the same things that we enjoyed about kartings. Because as much as we, I mean, I, I'm talking for Garth here, but you know, he's a very competitive person. I'm a competitive person. So as much as we want to win, and that's what we were racing for, we've both said hands down the best thing about karting was the time we spent with our families and the friends that you make and you hang out with at the track and we can see that already with our kids like it's um it's such a a gift I guess that we get to now yeah share that with our kids and they're making amazing friendships at the track and you know we're making friends with other parents at the track and we get to go out and still do what we love which is motor racing um but see our kids doing it as well so it is awesome. Um, it is a bit difficult too sometimes though because, um, you know, Garth and I are Garth and I and we're not our children. So trying not to put our own expectations and our own uh, motivations onto the kids and just letting them figure out, you know, if it is what they want to do, uh, why they want to do it, how much, like how seriously they want to take it, you know, that's really important for us to give them that space to determine whether this is just something they do for fun or whether it is something they want to do seriously. And I'm hoping it's just for fun because I don't want to have to spend all the money when they, <laughs> if they want to take it further. <laughs> so growing up when I was around the karting scene, when Clay was, was racing for those listening who don't know, Clay is my brother. Um, I didn't really notice too many girls around. Would you say that there are more girls coming into karts now? Yeah, there's actually a lot. Um, which is something that is really great to see because I'm the same. Like, obviously, I was karting a long time ago. Like, I started uh, nearly 30 years ago, so it's ages, a whole lifetime, more than your lifetime. Um, And there was very few girls. Like, there was me and my sister, and then there was probably, you know, just a handful, if that, of other girls across all the categories, maybe two or three others. So um, very few then. But now... um, you know, you will see a lot of girls at the track, uh, a lot of them in cadets and juniors and getting more into the seniors as well. But I do feel like there's still a bit of a drop off. So like you do get a lot of the younger girls come in and they're competitive. Like there's girls out there in juniors and cadets um, and seniors uh, that are winning races and, and beating, you know, the best drivers in the country. So they are, you know, one of the best drivers, but we're, we're just still seeing that, um, I guess that they're just dropping off. They're not making that next step for whatever reason into cars or higher levels of the sport, which is a little bit disappointing because, yeah, if you'd asked me 30 years ago where I thought the sport would be in terms of women's involvement um, from a driving perspective, I would have thought we'd be a lot further ahead. Uh, And I don't know what it is that's holding them back, but it's um, probably a combination of things. And, yeah, I would like to see more keep going through the sport and not just stop when they get to that age of, I don't know what it is, um, yeah, 16, 17, 18. It's kind of like that tipping point where it's going along and you see almost, whether it's even or not, but it's a lot more of a, a bigger kind of percentage of women going up and up and up and then all of a sudden 
men keep going through, whether it's like Jess said last week, Jess had a good concept of when kids get to teenagers, their dads or mums, whoever's kind of making the choices and decisions. If it's, if it's a boy, the dad or the mum will be like, you can do it. Keep going, keep going. And then to, to the, the girl, they'll be like, oh, it's okay. You'll find something else to do. And I was like, that's really interesting because I actually felt that growing up. I was going through whatever sport I was going through and if I didn't want to do it, it was okay. But for my brother, it was like, you can do it. You can make it. Keep going, keep going. And I don't know if that's a cultural thing or just a kind of a, a societal thing potentially, but it's interesting to see that that is kind of a pattern that happens across a lot of sports, probably as well like ball sports and things like that as well, not just motorsport, but it seems to be really like prevalent inside motorsport for women. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. There's, uh, I think, a bit of a societal thing because there's even – so when I was younger, there were a lot of sisters at the track uh, and then I'd ask them, oh, why aren't you racing? Because in my family, it was never a question of whether we were male or female or what. It was just that's what you want to do. That's what we're going to go. We're going to go and do it. Um, So to see a boy driving and then his sister's just hanging there and I'd say, oh, why why aren't you going driving? Um, and they'd say, oh, my dad won't let me or, um, or maybe the sister would be driving but all the focus would be on the boy's uh, career and his driving and the girl was kind of just left to just go out and drive around for a bit but it wasn't as serious. And, um, yeah, you're right. I think there's still a bit of that societal thing and, and that's why it's really important. I think that girls do see there is a potential future for them. You know, with things like the AFLW and um, the, the women's big bash in the cricket and all these high-profile sports having a high-profile women's competition, I think is really important for encouraging those younger girls to actually stick at it and not just, like you say, when they get to the, those late teens, just kind of go, well, what's the point? I may as well go to uni or go to TAFE or do whatever I need to do and actually get a job and get on with life. That you know, They might actually make that decision that, oh, actually, this is something I can do and I can turn it into a career or, or at least be taken seriously, which... Um, I think is important too. For you, would you hope that maybe one day in the future you'd be able to put something together and go racing more often? No, not really, to be honest. Um, I feel like I, um, I guess I did everything that I, I probably wasn't as successful as I would have wanted. Um, but if I look back at my career, I am you know, fairly happy with what I've achieved and I'm having a lot of fun taking the kids karting and and even not karting but doing other things with them and I think for me to get back into the sport I because I you know a couple of years ago I was uh, having a few drives in the um in the TCR and it was really hard because I wanted to be good enough to be at the front but I didn't want to put the time and effort in in between races to actually make sure I was at the front if you know what I mean so I wasn't committed and motivated to actually put in the work that you need to put in to be for me to be at the front you know some some drivers can just get in anything even when they're 70 like your dad or your your grandfather prayer um and they get they get into anything and they go fast you know for me I need to put a little bit more work into it so I just don't have that motivation anymore you know one-off things here and there that are not too challenging maybe I'll have a go um but yeah like I said I just enjoy doing things with the kids um I have my new career in psychology now so I've yeah I guess my focus has shifted a little bit. So speaking of TCR there's quite a bit of a memorable moment in TCR from Phillip Island a few years ago where Mm -hmm. it made it made some big news where you and Garth 
managed to somehow end up tangled up together. How did that go down in the garage? I know they covered on TV, but we want we want your inside scoop. No, that one wasn't actually that bad. Um, I mean, yeah, he hit me. Uh, I didn't know it at like when I got spun around and stuff. I could see his car, and I could see. I think it was Aaron Cameron's car as well. And so, I, you know, in that moment, I didn't know what had happened. So you just press on, you know, you can't fume about it or think about it or whatever. And then, yeah, I found out that he had hit me. Um, he claims he was hit by Aaron first. But they all say. <laughs> so we will, you know, we kind of left it at that because it's just, I mean, you know, it was it was just a bit of fun. And as much as I'm competitive, uh, I guess if I, it was disappointing, but, you know, it didn't mean anything, I guess, for me in the moment. So it wasn't too big a deal. All right. So what is your most memorable motorsport moment so far in your career? Um, probably when I won the my very first Formula Ford race. So we're going a long way back. We're going back to 2000. Um, it was It was actually Valentine's Day weekend. So it was nearly 22 years ago, actually. Uh, basically 22 years ago. But we'd gone out. Um, so, you know, up to that point, that was my third year in Formula Ford. And so I'd been really competitive in karts. Uh, I was probably, you know, at the time, you know, one of the best karters in the country. And then I moved to Formula Ford and I was really struggling just to get back, like get up to speed. And I know I had a lot of doubters and a lot of people kind of just dismissing me that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to make that change up to cars. Um, and that was the first round. So it was the first round of the 2000 uh, season. And, um, yeah, and we went out for qualifying. And I think I qualified second, which was anyway like the best qualifying position of a female in that category anyway. So that was already pretty cool because I'd qualified second. And I remember that night the, the boys were all talking. So we went to a Ford function uh, and they were all talking about how, oh, um, you really needed a toe, like you needed to get the slipstream to be able to do the times they had done in qualifying. And I knew I hadn't had a toe at all because I never got a toe because no one ever wanted to actually work with me. So it was in that moment I've gone, hang on, they all needed to tow each other around to do that time. I did mine pushing the air by myself. So then the next day I went out and, um, yeah, like just got it off the start, got a good start, got into the lead and basically just drove away from them, which is really hard at Phillip Island because, again, with the toe and being at such a fast track, that slipstream, if they're sort of in that slipstream, you can't really get away and they can kind of tow up to you and pass you. But, yeah, I managed to uh, stay far enough ahead and, and win the race and I just remember feeling so vindicated, I guess, and kind of really just, like, validated that, that I could do it. And, um, you know, as soon as I came in, you know, my mum was there and I was barely out of the car before she was, you know, like, hugging me. And, um, yeah, it was just – it was really special. So that's probably still still my favourite moment. That's awesome. In that sense, did you ever feel like you were disadvantaged, like that you needed to kind of prove yourself more over the boys? Yeah, definitely had to prove myself more. Like, I don't think I was disadvantaged in any way. Like, I definitely had the right equipment um, because, you know, I had some good sponsors and I had my family support and all that. Um, so, but in terms of being taken seriously, absolutely. Um, you know, you have to kind of do twice as well. Because even, even then when you win there's always a reason like it was always like then someone saying oh that's just because the others were fighting behind you like it was not because I drove well and won it was because the others were too busy fighting and that's why I got away so 
Um, and, you know, it had been the same in go-karts as well. It's like I won the state championship one year and it was, you know, the person who came second only came second because, you know, their carby had failed or something had gone wrong or, you know, there was all, there's always a reason. And, and they probably like that anyway with boys um, as well. I mean, I don't think anyone likes to be beaten, so there's probably always excuses. But, uh, yeah, definitely had to try and fight pretty hard to be taken seriously. Um, and especially because there's often this perception of girls in motorsport that they're there for attention or they're just there to look good or that kind of thing. So you kind of have to walk. I mean, it looks like it's changing now. Like it looks like the women involved in the sport are, are, are better able to present themselves how they want. But I really felt like I had to walk this tightrope because um, there was one woman who was older than me who would often be accused of not making herself look pretty enough. You know, she didn't wear makeup or she didn't do this. So people would accuse her and, and attack her for that. And there was another woman who was being attacked for being um, too much of making herself look nice and and presentable, right? So you kind of have to walk this tightrope of not being too feminine because then no one takes you seriously. But then if you're too masculine or you don't look good, then you get called butch or whatever it is. And, um, you know, there was always that when I was younger. Uh, and, I, and I, to be honest, I do still think today the, the girls and women involved in the sport get judged a lot on, on their, their looks, their behaviours, the way they present, and, and that's really disappointing because, you know, there's some really amazing women out there and nobody should be judging them if they want to wear a low-cut top or if they want to wear, you know, freaking skivvy up to their chin. You know, it shouldn't affect how people see their, um, you know, their performances and their, their work. It's definitely something that I've had to battle with even just in the media, like, yeah, you either, it's definitely a tightrope. You're, yeah. you're either on it or you're off it. And you're either off it for one extreme or for the other. And if you can't just sit and just walk along that tightrope, you really just kind of have to, like, you have to fight. You have to fight to, to get yourself back into the limelight by being either extra good at something or just outworking everyone. And that's just, that's just what it is still now. So I, I'm sure Priya struggles with has struggled with it as well and it's just it's something that we're working on changing like if like it's it's that saying of like talent has no gender like if you're there if you're the right person for the job you should be the right person for the job regardless of how you look Mm -hmm. what you wear or anything like that your gender anything yeah and that's really cool but it's it's not a cool thing to hear that you had to go through it but the fact that you were able to navigate through it and still get to where you went to is is really inspiring. Yeah, and look, I think that's just because I did just focus on. I actually just yeah. focused on what I wanted to achieve. And and for me, the I guess the naysayers and the and the people that knocked me for me that was uh, I guess motivation. I'd, I'd use it for motivation, sort of like you say I can't do it. You watch me. I'm going to go do it now and prove you wrong. Um, you know that doesn't work for everybody. Some people do take things uh personally and that it would be very hard for them but I've always had quite a thick skin um so for me it was just more like I said it was more motivation and it just um yeah I guess just made it easier for me to just focus on what I want to achieve and then the rest of it kind of kind of looked after itself I guess you know later in my career I don't think I had any issues with anyone in terms of me being a female you know after I'd established myself uh, as a serious uh con- competitor and I was actually there for racing you know like later in when I was in Formula 3 or uh, any of that the guys were not bothered I don't think uh, about me beating them as opposed to anyone else beating them and that's when I felt like I'd actually kind of got somewhere because I was just being 
um, yeah, I guess I was just another driver, which is what I'd always wanted to be. I didn't want to be a good girl driver or, you know, a girl on the track. It was just, I just wanted to be a driver. So uh, it was good for me when I got to that point uh, with all the guys. And, you know, obviously motorsport, it's always ever evolving and it's changing in a lot of ways, just as we spoke then, culture-wise, but also uh, financially and new rules and everything. So do you think do you think anything needs to change? Do you think it's going in the right direction? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I feel like probably the ground, like the grassroots level keeps getting uh, forgotten and that, you know, across the board in motorsport. So in go-karting, you know, there's a big focus on, say, the Australian karting championships and all the, all the really high stuff. But, you know, it's really important to have that gr- strong grassroots level because otherwise you don't get those drivers coming through that are going to be the ones to watch as they get older you know you need that grass level um the grassroots level motorsport and it's the same in cars you know i think a lot of people are focusing on that journey of trying to get either to the super top of supercars or overseas or whatever it is they want to do um but at the end of the day you know we're not going to have the competition here We, we can't all go to supercars and we can't all go to formula one so we do need to make sure that that grassroots level is strong and healthy because that's where those drivers are going to come from eventually. So I do think that's a focus that they still need to, to look at a little bit more. And, um, and yeah, I think that will help the quality of drivers coming through as well. Yeah, building, up, building the base up and working with the gar- grassroots and getting that as a really strong platform will hopefully ultimately lead to a better product out the top, which is... Yeah, it'd be exciting if, if there was to be some more development in that kind of way. Yeah. Last question from us, Leanne. Yep. Again, a little bit cliche. We asked it last week and we'll probably ask it for every episode. But what is your advice for getting women into motorsport? How do we go about making that base 50% women and 50% men? Yeah, I think it just, uh, as I kind of mentioned a little earlier before, you know, I think... To be it, you've got to see it. And, you know, that goes for not just, uh, you know, gender equality, but, you know, racial equality and, and all sorts of things, you know, for for us, for the, for the girls in motorsport to dream that they can be a successful driver, they do have to see it. And I think that's where we're kind of, you know, we get, like I said before, we get those girls in carts and maybe some of them make that next step up, but we still haven't quite got the, the strength at the top. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you fix that but um but yeah for any girl who is wanting to to pursue a motorsport career in in any sort of avenue whether it's on the track or in in the pits or in the media or whatever it is that just developing a thick skin um and you know focusing on what their dreams are and, and just chasing those and the rest should look after itself you certainly need a thick skin to be in motorsport. I think, yeah, especially things like W Series, that's a great step forward. Yeah, it's really good. You know, I often feel like I'm 10 years too old. Like, I feel like if I was, um, you know, 10 years younger, then there would have been quite a few opportunities open up, which is great. Like, it's really great to see that these opportunities are happening. Um, but, you know, even having Simona Di Silvestro in the supercars, you know, I really was like, oh, my gosh, if I was just, like, you know, 10 years younger, that could have been me. And I know I would have been you know, in, in the right spot for that kind of thing or, or going over and having a go at the W Series. You know, I think it's, um, it's really good, but I think we still need to make sure that I think women can push beyond just having their own 
category. Like I think it's really good way for these girls uh, and women to get uh, experience and at these tracks and get out in front of everyone. But I still think um, I still think someone can do it, and I really hope they do it um, while I'm still alive. Well, Leanne, it's been great to have you on and get an insight into your career as a female who's right in amongst it as a driver. Um, I'm sure those listening who are wanting to do some driving or get into the sport can take something from it. Um, But thank you for coming on for our second episode and we're looking forward to seeing you back out there hopefully soon. Well, thanks for having me and um, good luck with your podcast. I think it's a great idea and I'm looking forward to hearing more stories. So we thank Leanne for her time on the Girls on the Grid podcast. We both just want to reiterate how important it is for us to acknowledge Leanne's impact and influence on the sport for women and for both women who want to drive and also just women who want to be involved in any way, shape or form, whether it's from being a flaggy or being a media person. Leanne has shown us that it is possible to do it and to do it at the highest level. So that's something we just wanted to... Yeah, say thanks to Leanne for, and yeah, it's really exciting to see what she does next. Awesome to be able to chat to Leanne and also Molly there for a bit at the start. We just wanted to say that the support for the podcast so far has been incredible. We're super grateful, definitely a little overwhelmed, um, but it's been great. If you guys enjoy this podcast, please, we we seriously appreciate any support. If you could leave us a five-star or a four-star, awesome, honest feedback, whatever you think about this podcast and It just really helps us build our audience and we can't wait to keep bringing these episodes to you. So we hope you guys enjoyed and we're really looking forward to the next episode. Remember to DM us for some shout outs as well. Uh, We're going to start doing those really soon. We'll just do a few each episode. So same again, if you're a girl who is just getting into carts or you're an official or if you're a chick who just absolutely loves the sport and loves the pod, then let us know and we'll give you a shout out. So for the week ahead, Tanea, what's on for you? Lordy, last time I said this, things took a very drastic turn. Are you a bit scared? (laughs) I'm a bit bit nervous on if I'm going to jinx myself about having such an exciting week. But no, seriously, hopefully this spicy cough buggers off real quick and I can go back to, yeah, just doing my thing. Um, No racing for a couple of weeks. I go away to GC next week to do some filming and then yeah this week is just a catch-up week to be honest catching up on the things that I didn't do this week because we all know why and yeah just getting back into the swing of things hopefully can start walking upstairs again without feeling like I've run a marathon and then after that it'll be good to get back to my real life and um, enjoy the 28 days of post-covid non-reinfectious goodness and I'll probably go out a couple of times just to just to make the most of that little window where you know, the spicy cough can't get you. But other than that, uh, Priya, once you recover from Tassie, what's on for you? Ah, we've got a lot of editing this week uh, from Tassie. So I think the recovery might be a bit delayed. Um, It's still going to continue into the week. But uh, no racing for a couple of weeks. We'll be at Formula Ford round at Sandown, I think a couple of weekends from now. It'd be good to get back into doing some Formula Ford stuff and yeah but looking forward to just having just a little break after a big unexpected weekend (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome thanks tonight that's it from us guys for this week we cannot wait to be back with a brand new episode next monday 
Again, thanks so much for the support. Thanks for tuning into the Girls on the Grid podcast. If you like us, if you love us, like, I mean, we're pretty good. But if you if you really do love us, please leave us a review so we can get our and my very sexy COVID voice out to more ears across the next few weeks. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. You've just listened to another Network R production. Oh, <laughs>